Hello, and welcome to Wicked Wednesdays, Season 2. In this season, we're going to do an in-depth dive on all things BDSM and kink-related. As kind of a 101 course, we're going to start with the very basics and work our way through to the most esoteric and advanced stuff you can think of. I hope that you'll enjoy this series, whether you're an experienced kinkster or you're just finding out about the scene. I hope to answer any questions I possibly can. This is going to be very listener-based as far as you submitting questions and comments you would like to know more about, subject matter you'd like to hear more about. I do have a lesson plan and a, um, an outline for how I'm going to progress with this. Today we're going to talk about, you know, what is BDSM? Some quick show notes. I have moved the business section to the end of the podcast, along with the Q&A that I usually do. I'm going to put all that towards the end so that someone coming into this seeking out BDSM information can just get right to the heart of the matter. So these episodes will all start. We're going to jump right into the subject and then your normal podcast updates, you know, business updates, what's going on with the studio and questions and answers will come at the end. Speaking of questions and answers, for this series especially, your submissions are very welcome. You know, if there's something you want me to talk about, if there's a subject you want to have discussed in detail, if there's questions you have, if you want to add commentary to something you heard in a previous episode, I welcome all that. You know, get in touch with me at hiswickedways at gmail.com. Leave a comment under the podcast notes. You know, there's tons of ways to get in touch with us. Instagram, Twitter. I will have links for all of that at the end. But your input is valued. So send it. Let me know what you're thinking. And let me know how this podcast is coming across to you. Are we getting too much in the weeds? Or are we not getting deep enough into the subjects you want to hear more about? Let us know. Starting with the very basics. BDSM. You know, what is it? What is this thing? BDSM itself is a nested acronym, meaning that there's not just four terms, there's six. Bondage and discipline, dominance and submission, sadism and masochism. That's a lot. And even those terms are going to require some diving into. What is it all about? You know, why is there this alternative lifestyle, sexual practice, kink-based culture? Well, it's nothing new. You know, the very name, you know, the sadomasochism part, dates back to the Marquis de Sade. And, you know, back when George Washington was powdering his wig, the Marquis de Sade was in prison for his writings on, you got it, sadomasochism. So, but of course it would be silly to think that it started in France in the 1740s, because it did not. I do plan on doing an entire episode on the history of BDSM, as far as we know it, but also, you know, kink culture, alternative sexual practices, how did what we know as conventional sexual practices get established, etc. As I was preparing the notes for this episode, I realized that there is a huge amount of terminology and jargon that I'm familiar with that I use as a second language and don't even think about, but that someone that's not familiar with the scene would be pretty confounded by. Some things I think anybody can understand. This person is a dominant and this person is a submissive. Sure, but if I say that this is a rope bottom and this is a rigor, that may be more difficult for someone to understand. So I do plan on hitting some of these terms, either briefly, as in today's episode, 
And then more in depth, we will have an episode on bondage and all the factors and forms of it, the relationships involved in it, you know, the different types, styles, history, and future of it. We're going to have deep dives into these. So if it seems like I'm only touching the surface on some of these topics, don't worry, we're going to get there. There's so much information, there is so much to talk about that each facet deserves its own episode. To, to really dig in deep and to have a full understanding, as full as possible, considering that we're talking about a subject that is continuing to evolve and continuing to change and move forward. Let's continue with our BDSM breakdown. So, starting at the beginning, bondage and discipline. You know, what is bondage all about? You know, bondage is any time that you are restrained or you are restraining somebody else. That restraint can be with something like rope. Rope bondage is very, very common, very popular. It's practiced both in Western and Eastern cultures. Shibari is the Japanese art of rope tying. Bondage can encompass obviously being tied with rope. It can be what's called hard bondage, where you're using metal fixation, such as handcuffs or a metal framework where the person is bound in. For example, you think of the stocks from the pilgrim times. That would be hard bondage. Soft bondage can be ropes. It can be scarves. It can be, you know, things that aren't necessarily rigid. However, rope bondage can be extraordinarily, you know, rigid and constraining. These terms can be fairly broad-based, going from hard into soft. It can be what I frequently call self-bondage, where the submissive person is instructed to hold themselves in a particular position. That moves more into the discipline side of things. And as we move through this, you're going to see that it's a rich subject, it's a very complicated subject, and it's not an entirely codified subject. You know, terms that I am familiar with, terms that I use a lot, can have different definitions in different practices in different parts of the country with different people, etc. I'm going to try to give an overview as much as I can into the most common accepted terms. You know, even going back to BDSM, that is a very commonly accepted um, definition of that acronym. I know other people have different definitions of it, and that's fine. The D has two different definitions. One is discipline and one is dominance. The dominance D, that is the overarching term for the top of the top-down power exchange. And BDSM is all about power exchange. It's about two people who would normally be peers and equals agreeing to exchange power, either very subtly and for a short period of time, or to an extreme degree for an indefinite period of time. So what's the discipline D as opposed to the dominance D? The dominance would be in more overarching, you know, that encompasses all the different styles of top-down power exchange, right? The discipline falls underneath that umbrella. So discipline is more cerebral. It's not necessarily physical punishment, though that can be part of discipline. So if bondage domination is I'm going to physically restrain you and assert my dominance over you, the discipline style of domination is much more cerebral. It's much more, I'm going to give you a list of tasks that I want completed by next Tuesday, or there will be consequences. 
What those consequences can be are vast and varied. We will get into stuff like that. But the discipline side is when one person gives power exchange to another person, but it tends to be over practical matters or behavioral matters, as opposed to a hands-on in the scene type of domination like bondage could be. When I refer to the stuff that I do, I'm almost always referring to DS play, and that's abbreviated capital D slash lowercase s. That's the style that I am most familiar with and that I tend to play in the most. And while dominant and submissive can encompass the vast array of power exchange, it definitely has kind of a stand apart meaning within the kink community and the scene community. A dominant and a submissive is a relationship usually. It would be like a couple. This couple, they do DS. They do dominant and submissive. This couple over here, they just do rope play, but they don't have a DS relationship. And that's entirely possible. So when we get into the various natures of dominance and submissives and the different styles of dominance and submissive, we're going to touch on, you know, some people are riggers. A rigger is someone who does the tying in bondage. And some people are rope bottoms. That's the person that becomes tied. Now, someone can be a submissive and a rope bottom. That's very common. But they just may be a rope bottom, and they don't participate in any other kind of submissive play. And that is also not unheard of. So a rigger and a rope bottom may have a relationship where they're a couple, and they have a normal life together, and on Saturdays, they decide to do some rope play because it's something they both enjoy. But other than that, they don't have a DS relationship. So you'll see as we move through this that there are a whole gamut, a whole rainbow of different ways to do DS. Okay, the SM, the sadomasochism part, you know, that harks back all the way to the Marquis de Sade. Defining sadism and masochism is simple. A sadist is someone who derives pleasure from the pain or discomfiture or humiliation of others. And a masochist is the, the yin to that yang, which is they derive pleasure from receiving pain, discomfiture, or humiliation at the hands of somebody else. So a sadist and a masochist tend to go together like, you know, peanut butter and chocolate. When we use the term sadism and masochism, obviously those are very loaded. It's very easy to use sadist as a pejorative and say, oh, that guy's just a sadist. He's a terrible person. And I do understand that. Remember that in the BDSM world, consent is king. Consent is going to be something you hear me say a thousand times during this series because BDSM is incredibly strong on consent. And consent is what makes what we do completely acceptable. And it's not just in our little kinky world, as opposed to the vanilla world. You know, consent is what makes a boxing match not assault. Consent is why a doctor can rummage around in your insides and not go to prison for it. Consent is very important. And there are not too many limits on what consenting adults can do. And the BDSM scope falls well within that. And we're going to talk about the legalities involved in BDSM. That's going to be an entire episode on its own. But in brief, the sadism in BDSM is not a pejorative. It's not something that 
you shouldn't hear and immediately think that's a bad person. The same is true of the masochist. We tend to look at the masochist as, oh, there's something wrong with that person. Why would someone want to feel pain? You know, we spend our whole lives avoiding pain. This person is seeking out pain. Why would they do that? Well, that's a great segue into my next part, which is why do BDSM? You know, why do kink? Why do this at all? You know, why endure the stigma? Why endure the possible danger? Side note, it's really not that dangerous. You know, why do it? The very easy and very trite answer to that is why do we do anything? You know, personally, I can't imagine paying money to sit in an uncomfortable seat and watch a baseball game for four hours. That does not sound like fun to me. And yet I know millions of people around the world, you know, that's their favorite thing. They love baseball and I accept it. You know, there's the key. I don't have to sit and question it. I don't have to pass a moral judgment upon them. I just accept that they like baseball and I don't. That's their thing. They're into it. It makes them happy. It's fulfilling to them. And you need to just apply that to kink. If you're looking at this from the outside and you're wondering why would anybody do that, the answer is very simple because it does bring us pleasure. It is fulfilling to us. It is something we enjoy. And that's the simple fact of it. You know, getting into the psychology of it. I'm very interested in that and there will be an episode. Getting into the history of it, again, on a very simple, a little too simple answer for why someone might enjoy pain associated with their sexuality or just in their life, you know, aside from sexuality. You know, why do you go on roller coasters, right? It's scary. It gives you a thrill. It's, it starts something in your heart that is very exciting. But think about what you're doing. You're hurtling your body down a steep slope and your body is thinking, we're going to die. This is bad. This is, our whole evolution has told us not to do this. And you're doing it for fun, you know? And I can tell you that it's very closely allied with that. The pain in BDSM, the fear that it can engender of being confined or being bound or feeling helpless or feeling forced that is a rush. It's a thrill. It can be an endorphin rush. It can be very exciting. And it can be something that, you know, if you're a skydiver or a mountain biker or do any kind of extreme sport, the reason those sports have that thrill factor is because there's this danger. You know, your body is telling you you're in danger and it gives you that adrenaline response. It gives you those endorphin responses. So does kink and BDSM play. And for a lot of people, that's what they're into it for. It is a thrill for them. You know, they like that feeling of being out of control. They like that feeling of pleasure allied very closely with pain. And the pleasure and pain centers in your brain, they're, you know, rubbing right up against each other. You know, scratch an itch sometime. Something that would be uncomfortable or even painful can give you relief and pleasure, right? They are very closely allied. And sometimes that mix of pleasure and pain, you know, the pain can be the salt that makes that dish really savory and tasty. The pain can add another layer and a depth to the pleasure that is difficult to describe unless you've experienced it. So for some people, yeah, it's all about the thrill. It's all about that physical sensation they get 
when they're pushed to their limits, when they're put in a situation that is that feels dangerous and exciting. That's a big part of it for some people. For other people, it's not about that. For them, the pain is something they endure to reach a reward. And that reward can be personal. It can be, you know, I want to see what I can do. I want to see if I can take this. I want to push myself and see what I can do. And again, you look at that from the outside and you think, you know, what's wrong with you? Why would you do that? Why would you push yourself to your limits and, you know, possibly hurt yourself to prove something to yourself? Well, there's a CrossFit community that I asked the same question to, you know, endurance runners, athletes of all types. You know, why do you do those things? Why do I do those things? You know? A lot of the questions people have about BDSM, if they were to apply them to anything else in life, I think they would realize that the answer is apparent. It can be a personal goal. It can be a challenge. It can be something you enjoy. That could be the reason that they do the masochism part. You know, it can be that they like to give themselves so fully to another person that enduring discomfiture for that person is very fulfilling and gratifying to them. You know, there's no way that I can articulate all the reasons that someone might do this. But as we get into this series, and as I have some interview guests, and as I speak to other people in the scene, I hope to shed light on what this is all about. I hope to, you know, sweep away some of the misconceptions to normalize some of this stuff a bit, because as far as society is concerned, it's still very taboo and very heavily stigmatized. There's a lot of Hollywood celebrities that have come out and been open with their sexuality, and that's been encouraged and embraced and welcomed. You won't notice a lot of celebrities have come out about their BDSM lifestyle, and yet I know for a fact that there are a number of celebrities that enjoy this lifestyle and that are into this scene. So... We've got the basics of what BDSM is. Even if we haven't gone deep enough into what each one of those words means, BDSM, bondage and discipline, dominance and submission, sadism and masochism. That's the bare bones of it. Another term I want to define is scene because there's two main ways we use it. The large scene, you know, is the same as any other social gathering right? You could say you're into the rock scene or the punk scene or the kink scene. So if I say in a conversation, I've been in the scene for 25 years, you know, people into BDSM and kink will understand that I'm saying I have been doing kink and BDSM stuff for 25 years. That's the scene in general. However, we also use the term scene to be specific about a session of play of a finite length. So my friend and I did a scene last night at a local dungeon, meaning we went there and we participated in BDSM play for a finite amount of time. That's a scene. I could have a scene with one of my submissives where we're in a long-term relationship together, but on Saturday night, we decided to have a dungeon scene, or we decided to do a rope scene right? So a scene is just a way of saying a session. Session is interchangeable with scenes. You can have a rope session. You can have a BDSM session. You can have a dungeon session. 
the term dungeon, obviously, is frequently used to describe a dedicated BDSM play space. Your home might have a dungeon. You know, it might have a separate room where you keep all of your kinky stuff and sometimes very large sex furniture. It doesn't necessarily have to be made out of stone and look like a medieval dungeon. It can be, you know, lit with neon and have very bright colors. It's still a BDSM dungeon. You can call it a play space, your kink room. You know, there's no hard and fast terminology for this. But if someone says that they have a dungeon, that's what they're talking about. And it may look like a medieval BDSM dungeon. That may be their aesthetic that they're going for, but not necessarily. And I see more dungeons these days that are much more contemporary and not going after the, it looks like a torture chamber from the 1600s look. Though if that's cool to you, go for it. I'd love to see that well done. I've used the word kink several times. You know, what is kink? Well, generally... Kink refers to the entire community, you know, the BDSM community, but kink is probably broader than just BDSM. People that are strictly BDSM, you know, wouldn't necessarily encompass some aspects of kink culture. The broader term kink is essentially anything that's not vanilla. And I know that we overuse vanilla, but that is how we refer to things that aren't kinky. You know, there has to be some dichotomy there. So we have the vanilla world and the kink world. The kink world can encompass a lot of stuff that's not necessarily BDSM related. So all BDSM is kink, but not all kink is BDSM. More specifically, what is a kink? Again, following the same vanilla terminology, a kink is anything that excites you, turns you on, something that interests you that is outside the mainstream. It can be you have a kink for leather, you know, you just like leather, leather turns you on, it's sexy, and seeing someone dressed up in leather, you know, that just does something for you. That's a kink. It could be for a specific kind of play. You could have a kink for rope play, where being tied up with rope is just your thing, you really like it. You've got a rope kink. I don't believe we choose our kinks. I don't believe that we just wake up one day and decide, I'm going to be into feet or I'm going to be into leather, or I'm going to like to do latex play. I think as we're exposed to these things, some things turn us on and some things have no effect on us. I separate out kink from fetish, even though there's a lot of overlap there. You'll see kink and fetish wear festival, obviously there's overlap. But to me, to just break the definition down a little bit, a kink is something you like, a fetish is something that you're obsessive about, and usually obsessive in a good way, but anything can be pushed to extremes, so of course there can be unhealthy fetishes. If you like something in a fetishistic manner, if you have a fetish for something, that's stronger than a kink for something. So I may have a kink for latex, but I, you know, fetishize spandex, you know, just as an example. Fetish where kink wear would be almost indistinguishable if you went to the shop and looked at it. So I understand if those terms are used interchangeably. I guess this is more my personal definition, that for me, a fetish is something that's stronger than a kink. But in the general BDSM and kink community, I, I would say that kink and fetish are pretty much interchangeable. For all the things that I'm defining, you know, if I can give you an antonym as well, I will. So kink is something you like. 
A squick is something you do not like, that you dislike intensely. In fact, something that can ruin a scene for you. And so in the discussion beforehand, before a scene starts, you may say, you know, hey, I've got a squick for X. You know, I don't like being hit in the face. I don't like any kind of face stuff. I don't like being, you know, nothing above the neck. That just turns me off and it'll take me out of the scene and I don't want to do it. That's a squick. That can also be called a hard limit or a boundary. Kink is something you like. Squick is something you do not like in a kink and BDSM setting. Another term that may not be familiar is a munch or a slosh. A munch is an informal, outside-of-the-scene gathering of kinky people or BDSM people. You know, it can be, hey, let's meet at Denny's next Sunday at 5 for dinner, and we're just going to hang out. You know, we're not going to wear fetish wear. We're not going to show up in leather and latex. We're just going to show up in our street clothes and hang out together in a social setting. The common interest being we're all kinksters, right? It, it is really as simple as that. It's just, you know, as opposed to a, a BDSM gathering where you show up and people are wearing leather and latex and everything else and scenes are happening and people are being flogged, for example. You're not going to see that at a munch. If you are at Denny's on Sunday, that group of eight across from you may very well be a munch. You know, you wouldn't know. A slosh is just the, we're going to do this at a bar version of that. We're going to go for drinks and we're going to have a little fun time together that does not involve actual kink play or fetish wear. So it's just a social gathering among kinksters. If you heard that, hey, I went to a munch last Sunday, that might be difficult to understand for someone outside of the scene. So yeah, just a social gathering. You know, dominant and submissive. I, I feel like those don't need that much definition. The dominant is the party in control. The submissive is the one being controlled. And whether that's in rope play or discipline play or, you know, impact play, the dominant is the one with the paddle. The submissive is the one getting paddled. It, it's fairly simple. But obviously there are so many different types of dominant and submissive relationships. And I am going to go over those. I'm going to have an episode purely on dominance and purely on submissiveness. May end up being more than one, actually. Those are very deep and rich subjects to get into. I could define terms all day. Um, I think I've hit the major terms that come up in everyday discussion of BDSM without getting too far in the weeds because, you know, you're not going to know what serophilia is in a scene if that's not part of your kink. So at some point we will talk about that and get into it in depth, but that's not a common everyday I'm reading a BDSM form and I come across this word. The next episode I hit is going to be on consent specifically and how BDSM relationships begin, how to begin them, how to talk about boundaries and consent and getting into it for the first time with a new person. It's going to be kind of your, okay, I'm into this, now what do I do episode. As I move forward, I will be defining new terms. I will be hitting things in much more depth and detail. Just a quick business update. I was finally able to get both XVIDs and XHamster set up and finally got both of them monetized. Um, that does not mean that I'm out of the woods, you know, business-wise and financially. We took a huge hit when Pornhub brought our site down. Our revenues from Pornhub are a 
abysmal this month because we pretty much started from scratch and we lost about a week of all of our videos. And then we're still missing 20 or 30 million views. So those videos aren't getting views, we're not getting paid, etc. I am happy about getting set up on the other sites. However, it's going to take quite a bit of time to get the steam and get the fan base and get the exposure to get anywhere near where we were on Pornhub. So obviously this is something I should have done a long time ago. You know, I did not feel the need when Pornhub was going well, but that was a short-sighted move on my part. So I am definitely feeling the consequences of that. We have set up a Patreon and it has exclusive content from me. It has pictures from me, you know, spoken word, audio recordings, some more behind the scenes stuff. If you are interested in helping this out, if you are interested in helping out the podcast, this new series that we're doing, the work we're doing in general, and you want to become a subscriber, you know, there will be a link under here. It's Patreon at Wicked Fellow. And I would really appreciate that. If you would like to not be a subscriber, but you want to give us a tip, you know, I've got a PayPal, his wicked ways at Gmail. However, if you do not want to do that, or you can't afford to do that, I totally understand. And there are tons of stuff you can do to help out. If you feel the urge, you can go to iTunes and rate and review this podcast, leave a review, leave a rating that really helps push us up in the visibility, more visibility, more listens, more people. It helps. So if you can do that, that'd be great. Now that I have Pornhub backup and I have two alternative outlets, I will be reposting our rough content again. And I know that that's something that so many of you have written me and asked me for. So it will be posted again. I have not yet decided where and if to host full premium videos yet. Um, for a long time, we had ours on Pornhub under the model program. Hopefully I will be able to put the full videos up again. So those will be available for purchase at the moment. They are not, I am looking forward to putting out new content. I do have a lot of content in the can that we've been holding because we couldn't put it on Pornhub. It was too rough for Pornhub. So I will start releasing that content on X hamster and X video. I am not sure how far they're going to let us go. So I'm going to start mild and push it a little bit. The last thing I want is to end up with the same situation we had on Pornhub where they're taking down our content because it's too rough. I try very hard in these videos to make it clear that it's consensual and that everybody's on board, but your average person sees it and they freak out and they report it and that can become a huge headache for us. So yeah, we'll see how much I can push on those other two sites. I know what I can and can't do on Pornhub to an extent. That's just the business we're in right now. To my followers and friends out there that um, were on OnlyFans, you know, I absolutely feel for you. I know what it's like to have your revenue disappear and cut off. I think it sucks. Um, yeah, I, I feel for you. I really hope that you're able to migrate to a new platform and continue doing the work you want to do. You know, that's what we want to do. That's what I want to do. And I, I really support you guys. And I'm sorry that your platform did a very similar thing to Pornhub. So thumbs down on the whole censorship issue. So on questions and answers, um, two episodes ago, I did an episode on does BDSM have to involve sex? 
you know, I knew I was pushing against the grain on that. I know that so many people, for them, BDSM and sex, they're one and the same. Like, if you're going to do BDSM, that means doing something sexual. And that's just not true. You know, that is a very limited view. And I can tell you, speaking from a very broad experience, I've been doing this for a long time, and a lot of people don't have sex as part of their BDSM lifestyle, and they're having a great time. You know, it is limiting if the only kind of BDSM and kink play you know how to do is sexual. Nothing wrong with the sexual stuff. However, it's not the only way to go. But people had thoughts on this, as I expected they would. This gentleman commented on the podcast, I feel bad for whoever it was that asked. I do differ. If you want part of this lifestyle, sex has to be included. If you want me to dominate you, you have to give something up. I'm sure she will find someone if she changes her mind, but I don't know about your advice. You know, again, that's kind of it in a nutshell. That's the kind of thing that I want to fight against. That's the kind of mindset that I want to fight against. BDSM is not transactional. And I don't need to know anything about that person to tell you they're not a good dom. They're not. They feel like a dominant. They're probably a dominant personality. That doesn't make them a dom. Right? That's a very selfish viewpoint. That's a very what-do-I-get-out-of-it viewpoint. That's a very, if I'm going to give you my time and attention, I want to be repaid. And specifically, this gentleman wants to be repaid with sex. And I cannot tell you how frequently I see that. And it's wrong. It's not how the scene should be. It's not how these relationships should work. It shows a fundamental misunderstanding of what it means to be a dominant. It shows a fundamental misunderstanding of what it means to have a submissive. You know, if you have to persuade your submissive to have sex with you by saying, well, if you want this thing that makes you feel good, I have to, you know, you have to give me your body. You have to let me have sex with you. You know, think about that. That is absolutely wrong. It's absolutely wrong. And I would advise any submissive, if you feel like you're in that kind of relationship where the sex you're having as part of a BDSM lifestyle is coerced, the fulfillment you get out of BDSM is being withheld for you until you give them something like that, you're in the wrong kind of relationship. That is an unhealthy relationship. This gentleman differs. I, I feel like I'm a bit more of an authority on this than he is. But make up your own mind. Leave some comments. Let me know. Uh, we did have a bunch of great comments, a bunch of things saying that, you know, they understand the position we're in and they want to help and support. And I appreciate that so much. To our new Patreon supporters, I think it's super cool. You know, I did not expect to have so much success so soon. Um, but you guys are awesome. And I'm going to continue to put up that exclusive content. And I'm going to do that without scaling back on the content that you guys get for free. So this podcast will come out every week. And that's a big investment in time, but it's something that I want to do, and I think I will make it worthwhile to you guys. So next week, we're going to talk about starting out, consent, negotiating a relationship with someone when you're first joining the scene. And we're going to continue our deep dive on BDSM. Until then, be smart, be safe, take good care of yourselves, and I will see you next week. 